Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, powered by Kasoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Sophie Warren, an inspirational legal professional and founder of Legally Run, which is a highly popular legal blog on Instagram, where Sophie documents her legal career and has successfully run 10 half marathons across the country in seven months to raise money for various charities. So welcome, Sophie. Hi, Rob. Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Um, we always have to start with our customary question on the Legally Speaking podcast. Um, so on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, how real do you rate the TV hit series Suits? Hmm. I probably have to say about four. Four, okay. I feel like it portrays this really glamorous lifestyle of lawyers, which I just feel doesn't exist. And I feel like you get paid more in suits than you actually do in <laughs> real life. Um, so yeah, not particularly realistic, but it's, you know, it's fun to watch and it gives young lawyers a bit of inspiration if they do want to go into the corporate world. Yeah, well said. I think four is probably a fair, fair reflection. Yeah. And so at the top, I mentioned the word inspirational because I, I generally am impressed with how you fit it all in with what, what you do. Um, but for people perhaps not too familiar with who you are and your sort of journey, do you want to sort of tell us a bit about you? And we'll obviously talk more about Legally Run a bit further on, but tell us a bit about you. So I currently work in Birmingham in a law firm called Freeth's. Um, I currently work in their real estate department. Um, I went to university in Birmingham and I live not too far from Birmingham either. So I feel like I know that market quite well. Um, did a law with French law degree. So I'd like to think I'm a good French speaker, but I haven't been to France in a while, so we'll have to test that out. Yeah, so in my spare time, I like running, as as you've heard. And I didn't really run when I was younger. And then I wanted um, to do this event at school and you had to audition for it. So I thought, oh, I'll practice. And um, I actually didn't get into the event despite having trained for it. But I thought, you know what, that's not going to put me off. I'm just going to keep on going, keep on going. And then I just carried on all the way through uni, post-uni, because obviously it's a free way to do exercise as well. Um, so it keeps you really fit. And then last year, I decided to do these 10 half marathons, which I think we'll probably discuss later in detail, sort of the reasons behind it. So that's sort of the running side to me. Did you always want to go into the law? Has that sort of been in the family? Was that what you wanted to do? <laughs> I actually wanted to be a pilot. <laughs> really? When I, when I was really small. Yeah. Um, I just found it absolutely fascinating. And I just think you get you have so much responsibility and these aircrafts are so complicated. Um, my dad was in the Air Force. Um, right. and he worked with helicopters. So maybe that was some sort of link. But I just find flying fascinating. But I soon realized that my eyesight probably wasn't good enough to be a pilot. <laughs> yeah. um, so I thought I'd go down the law route. It has mainly been law. I did consider sort of history and French because I still wanted to do a language, but um, an academic subject. Um, but I decided to go sort of with law and the French side of it as well. And then since graduating, I know that it is the career I'd like to go in, yeah. go into. Um, so yeah, pretty certain, more certain than I was when I was about five. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of um, influencers and people as well with regards, and this is something I'm big on championing. Yes, London is where there's, you know, great quality legal work available, but, you know, outside of London as well, in Birmingham, and I know there's a number of people sort of championing and banging that drum, but, you know, people in the Midlands, there's good quality work and opportunities for people there. Yeah. But, you know, if they don't, for whatever reason, get a training contract or an opportunity in the London market, there are still good opportunities outside of London, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Birmingham is, the second biggest city um, in the UK and it is very vibrant and you know in the past sort of 10 years it's really sort of up and came and it's even more up and coming like there's so many developments going on 
And most of sort of the large law firms do have a presence in Birmingham. Um, So if you didn't or couldn't want to come to London, you know, you can still get really good quality work in Birmingham with the chance of coming to London, you know, on day trips to offices or even doing secondments. So just because you're in Birmingham, it doesn't mean you're cut off from London. And especially sort of, you know, if, I say if, HS2 comes in, obviously that link between Birmingham and London um, will become even stronger because obviously the travel time will be reduced. I think Birmingham is a really great place to be. And I think sort of give it another five and 10 years. I think... Birmingham, London, you know, equally as equally as good. Yeah, well said. No, I I really want people to be aware of that as well because I think a lot of people get so stressed and write to us saying, "Look, oh, I've not got a, I've not found anything in London. I know I need to be in London." And yes, undoubtedly, yes, London is a great place to be, but yeah. people should be aware that there are other options yeah. that you, you can facilitate. Okay, and I guess you know a large part of what you do is running, so you know legally run. But do you, have you always liked running? Have you always been a runner? Um, well, like I said before, I didn't actually really like running that much, but I auditioned for that event at school and obviously didn't get it. Um, I probably come from more of a swimming background. Okay. My dad is is and was a massive um, sea swimmer, so I probably just got chucked into the water age three and expected to swim. Um, so I sort of grew up with swimming, and then throughout school I played team sports, so like hockey, netball, rounders, etc. And then when I was at university, I sort of combined swimming and running, so I did triathlon. I'd say from probably like the age of 16 when I did my first half marathon, I thought, okay, actually, okay, I'm quite good at running, and, yeah. you know, it's a really good way to keep fit. Um, but I haven't, I haven't always been a runner, so it just goes to show that you know, you don't have to be born a natural at it. You can work hard and get there. You can indeed. And so when did you found uh, Legally Run? So I founded Legally Run in December 2018. So just over a year ago. Um, but it wasn't actually called Legally Run. Okay. It was called Sof Runs Halves. And that was obviously founded on the idea that I was running 10 half marathons. Um, so I initially set it up as a platform to sort of promote my races and my fundraising. And then it was only in about April or May, cause I was doing my LPC last year that I thought, you know, I need something else to talk about when I'm not talking about running. Um, and I don't want people to think that that's the only thing that I do. So I wanted to sort of incorporate the legal elements of my life. So that's when I changed it to legally run i did have some other names that i wanted to go use. on give us give us one go on <laughs> um Sof runs law okay because i thought one day you know if i'm when i'm a partner yeah. i'll be running the law i think it was between legally run and Sof runs law um but i decided not to have my name in it so i went with legally run yeah no i think it's a good name it's a good name and so obviously we, 10 half marathons and that's a massive achievement so yeah. congratulations for doing that but what fueled your passion for wanting to to, to start this so in September 2018, my stepmom sadly died of secondary breast cancer and she was a really brave woman and she was also a very successful businesswoman in the Middle East and she had this really successful career and she had to give it up to move back to England and sort of undergo chemotherapy And for me, when I think about my career and my future, when I'm successful, I don't want to have to make that decision. So I thought, you know what, I want to actually actively help raise money for for charity so that they can, you know, put the money towards finding a cure for secondary breast cancer because it's actually incurable. 
Um, and there aren't any drugs, well, there wasn't at the time, but there aren't any drugs accessible on the NHS for it. So that was sort of my main reason why I wanted to do it. And also my dad had run the London Marathon previously for breast cancer now. So I just thought that this sort of running and fundraising for breast cancer now was, was a really good, you know, initiative. Um, so that's sort of why I wanted to do 10 half marathons. So it is quite a moving story, I think. And Absolutely. But, you know, good, re- well, I say good results, hopefully good results one day yeah. from it. No, I think it's, 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 it's wonderful what you're doing and, and that sort of giving back piece. And I guess what's so admirable about the fact is, you know, you are working in the legal industry. So a lot of people listening in be like, wow, how did you actually fit in training? So just talk us through like a typical day when you're trying to sort of train for 10 half marathons and over seven months. So that's packing them in, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely think my project management skills are now through the roof. Yeah, yeah, it was quite difficult. Um, I was doing my LPC part time as well. So I was working in a law firm, obviously busy commercial law firm, um, doing my LPC once a week and then having to train for half marathons and sort of run legally run as well, um, which is quite time consuming. So I sort of I really had to prioritize and learn time management. And I had to make sure I mean my priority was probably my LPC at the time because obviously I was studying wanted to get a good result but I had to make sure that sort of every weekend I was doing a long run that I was going to the gym a couple of times a week and maybe trying to go running once during the week so it really was quite difficult especially sort of from December to April when it's dark it's wet it's cold the last thing you want to do at night is go running and it takes a lot of willpower but luckily I have some really good friends at home um Charlie and Katrina, they they literally been like my rocks. Like they would come running with me. Um, they even one of them even did one half marathon with me, and she talked the whole way through. Um, really annoying, but got me got me round. So yeah. I had quite a lot of support as well. And that's important, isn't it? Particularly when you're taking on these big challenges, you you know to keep the consistency up, you need a good network. Around. It is definitely, and I think that's where Legally Run helped as well because you know I was constantly updating my followers, and everyone would comment saying, you know, you're doing really well. I'm really proud of you. You're really you're an inspiration keep going blah blah and even though it's on social media and it's not in person it's still really nice to know that people are encouraging you on so I personally think that if I hadn't have had that sort of network on social media it probably would have been a lot harder yeah no absolutely and you are very good at sort of keeping active and updating your mm. followers and what you're doing as well which i think yeah. is really important um with it and we, we we touched on it there you mentioned your um i think your father said has done the Mar- london marathon and that's your your next challenge right that's the next it one is. coming up so you yeah. kind of <laughs> tick the box of 10 half marathons and uh onto the full marathon now yeah right? i mean i always like to have a challenge because I, I think life would be a bit boring if you uh, didn't have something to challenge yourself with so yeah that's right in 10 weeks time or however long it is yeah I'll be running 26.2 miles which is a fairly long way um and a lot of people said oh you know you've run a half marathon you'll be fine um but the thought of having to run another half marathon on top of a half marathon makes me feel slightly sick um <laughs> and the training is a lot more intense I think and sort of when you do half marathons you don't really need to change that much of your lifestyle like your diet etc like that's fine whereas with a marathon you you actually have to sort of change it and you know you can't go out every friday and sort of have yeah. about five glasses of wine so um it's a quite a <laughs> quite a big difference but no i'm really looking forward to that and that's sort of another story quite close to my heart as yeah, well yeah so who are you running for 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 the london marathon so i'm running the london marathon for a more local charity um sort of 
my 10 half marathons are for a national charity, Breast Cancer Now, whereas this one's a local charity in Wolverhampton called The Haven. Which we must say was well publicised. You made the local press and, you know, it's I been did. big, big news. So let, let's yeah. kind of give credit where credit's due. Really well done. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, um, I made it into the local newspaper, which is which was fab, um, actually sort of took up half a page and my face is massive on there, but at least people have seen it. Yes, that, that was really good publicity for um, both them and me. Um, they are a local charity that um, support victims of domestic violence and homelessness. And I volunteered with them when I was 16. Um, and they're actually the charity that I did my first half marathon for. So they're not completely unfamiliar to me. But the reason why I'm running the London Marathon for them is... My granddad was the founder of that charity back in nineteen in the nineteen seventies, and unfortunately, he sadly passed away in August. Um, and he was really, really dedicated to his work. You know, up until the day that he died, he was on the board of trustees, and he, you know, his work was his life. And when I was younger, he always used to talk about sort of domestic violence, the changes in legislation. So perhaps that's where my passion to do law came from as well when he passed away the haven sort of wrote a, an article about him and they really said how the women in wolverhampton wouldn't be where they are if sort of my granddad hadn't set the charity up so i wanted to do it sort of in his memory and in you know for the wonderful work that he'd done and he also didn't get to watch me finish all my other runs as well which is quite sad so i know that he'd be very proud um, to do this for quite a, like a charity close to home and this morning actually before i came here I, I went to the charity and um met their fundraising manager so we can sort of discuss like initiatives that we can do in fundraising events because we have been e- emailing but i think it's better to meet someone in person yeah and we'll definitely share all the the links after this and the people you know are legally speaking loyal listeners i'm sure will be very happy to contribute and and do what we can to to get behind you and that was really really nice you talk about your grandfather and i think we talked off air about our synergies yeah. so you may recall kasoon car the car side my grandfather actually sort of ran a very sort of successful law firm and i wanted to leave a legacy and in, in sort of his honor in terms of you know best in class work and he did a lot of trustees and charity work so it's really nice that you're sort of doing that as well so it's a real pleasure and honor to have people on like you doing Thank great you. things um okay and the other thing is you are a really big networker because you're at the early start of your legal career there's a massive sea change to what it was years ago you've got to be prepared to get from out of the desk and just drafting the documents sitting from behind you've got to get out there and network right so i know you're close friends with the london young lawyers I group am, yep. but again for people who are sort of at the junior start of their careers or even mid senior way through their yeah. careers what tips do you have for networking and how do you go about it so this is something that I wish I had known when I was at university. Um, I, I think I sort of have three main tips. Just be confident and don't be afraid. You know, when you meet new clients, you're going to have to speak to them. You've never met them before. There's absolutely nothing different from meeting another lawyer or an accountant, etc. So just be confident, be yourself. Um, and you can't really go wrong with that. And networking is more about actually making friends as well as making sort of acquaintances. Um, And most of the time, you probably won't even talk about work-related stuff. It'll probably be more common interests. I think if, for example, you're networking with, I don't know, a law firm that you want to join, I think it is good to be prepared. So, you know, if you want to go up to a partner and ask some questions, then it's good to sort of have done your research beforehand. But if that's not the situation, then it's not always like as important to be prepared. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And I really have seen that because at first, you know, a couple of years ago, I felt scared going up to someone I'd never met before who was quite high up in the legal profession. Um, but I think they really respect that. And 
the worst thing that someone is going to say to you is no, or I'm sorry, I haven't got time to speak to you. And if that's the worst thing that someone's ever going to say to you, well, it's nothing, it isn't anything. You'd really be surprised how far it gets you. Um, and, and like I said before, people prefer speaking in person than on email or, or phone calls. So I think people like overlook it sometimes, but it's really important. And it's so, yeah, really good to build those sort of relationships. I think you just, you know, in the modern day, you've got to take charge of your career and you've got to go out there and get it. And actually, if you approach these people with something quite, you know, interesting or substantive or quite flattering, you know, most people are very happy to help you. Um, You know, a lot of people have got the perception, oh, they're going to be too busy. But actually, no, if you show a real interest and write to these people saying, or get in touch with these people that you want to meet them and you're kind of demanding their time, they'll actually really appreciate that because you're taking things seriously. Yeah, I agree. Because the legal, I mean, every undergraduate or graduate knows the legal profession is so competitive and you you have to be proactive otherwise you're not going to get a training you know unfortunately in most of the cases it's not just going to fall on your lap um, and if it does then you're extremely lucky um, so you do have to be proactive and I think networking and going up to people is a sign of being proactive and then the person will sort of reciprocate that and yeah and, and help you out and then you you know you will be remembered and you will be recognized as that person that went up and sort of introduced yourself I actually um, was speaking to someone the other day and they said the best icebreaker for networking is to compliment someone's clothing um which yeah if someone came up to me and said i like your handbag i'd I'd be like, thanks. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad thing, is it? If you get a <laughs> no, nice compliment, no. it's ne- never a bad thing. It's no. probably the worst thing you can do. And, you know, we are in 2020, so social media is massive. It is. What do you think people should be doing, particularly if they're connected to the law? Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to law. You know, I've got to keep sure my social media is X. You know, what's your advice for people who may be trying to raise their profile in line with social media? Any tips you'd get? Because you've got huge followings, right? I think sort of... If you want to be what's called a sort of a legal blogger or, you know, have a presence on social media, you do need to sort of find a market or or a certain niche Um, because, like you said, like they're growing, like there's so many law blogs, there's so many people on social media now. Um, So I think with me, it's sort of my running as well as my law career and sort of my fundraising elements that attracts both lawyers and both people who are into running it's good to promote the relationship between law and social media because like you said people are like oh I'm going into career in law like I have to be really careful what I put on social media and to a certain extent yes but more and more law firms for example are using social media you know Shoesmith is massive on social media yeah. sort of Pins and Mason Clyde and Co most big law firms now have a presence on social media so it's a, it's a way to engage with them again before you sort of meet them in, in person um so if, if you're looking to sort of start a law blog or to have a presence on social media, I wouldn't necessarily think of, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? I would just sort of go for it, have a think about what it is you want to get from that blog. Because obviously for me at first, it was to promote my running and fundraising. And so my main aim was to get donations. Yeah. But then after that, obviously that evolved and it was, okay, I want to showcase my legal career. I want to attract followers, expand my network. So have a think about what it is that you want from your presence on social media because like I said before sort of if you give to people then you'll probably get back Um, and I found that a lot like you mentioned earlier with the London Young Lawyers group Um, I 
yeah, I took over their social media in December. I love doing those sorts of things because um, you can be really creative and you um, you get to know different people and different people follow you. So that, that was great. And then I was invited to their Christmas party. And then one thing I was going to say is I think they're a wonderful site and we do a lot of work with them yeah. as well. But you definitely encourage people sort of at any sort of PQE point really to, to join there because you get so many benefits from that, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm not qualified yet. And, um, you know, I've you're sort of liaising with you know, people, yeah, who are five years PQE, people who aren't qualified, people who aren't even in the legal profession. So it is a really great way to expand your network and they're really supportive and they're all really friendly. And when we went to the Christmas party, you know, like chatting away, I'm actually now an ambassador for them, um, which is really great as well. Um, You know, get to promote their events, get to really sort of chat with them about what's going on in both like London um, and hopefully sort of promote that in Birmingham as well. And because, yeah, I think last year and, and this year, there was some really cool events, again, because you know a lot of the, the influencers in Birmingham. Do you want to talk about some of the events that sort of happened last year and stuff that may be happening this year in, in Birmingham from a sort of legal events perspective? I think there's definitely probably like more frequent events in London than there are in Birmingham. But I know that I've been to quite a few balls, like with the Birmingham Solicitors Group. That's the one I went to and Chrissy was there. So it was nice to catch up with her. So that's the thing I say, like, London and Birmingham could one day be equal, but there's sort of more of a social theme probably going on in London. Um, but oh, the Bir- oh, I think the awards that you're talking about, the um, Birmingham Person of the Year Awards. Correct. Yeah. yeah. They um, yeah they happen like every May or so. Um, and again, that's not just actually lawyers. That's like people from different professions. So yeah, that's that's another great event that takes place in Birmingham. Um, so yeah, no, there is. There is quite a lot of social stuff going on. Uh, so Sophie, is there anything from your experience today in the legal profession, what you would change or offer as a service to help people in your position? The one thing I found really hard is sort of balancing doing applications, working sort of full time and not really having any sort of support. And what, what I mean by that is there are so many good organizations out there like aspiring solicitors that do lots and lots of good work and, you know, really help people get TCs. But if you don't qualify for that, um, then obviously like, you you know, they you can't really benefit from their help. And that is sort of where I think I've like fallen short because I don't have that additional external support. So I think in the future, I would maybe like to sort of set up some sort of organization that's helped people in my position. So, you know, if you haven't gone down the traditional route, if you've done your RPC part-time, if you're working full-time, you know, you don't have the time to do vacation schemes. And more and more firms are recruiting exclusively from back schemes and which is great obviously you can get to know the firm etc but if you're working full-time it means that you have to take annual leave or you know and it, and it's quite difficult um because whilst it is your career and you need to sacrifice make sacrifices which I 100% agree with you know if you spend all your annual leave working you'll burn out and that's not what that's not well-being which is obviously something the legal profession is trying to promote and I think if law firm if more and more law firms turn to recruiting exclusively via VAC schemes that almost creates another gap in the legal profession which excludes people that can't apply for VAC schemes um so for example I actually met met a law firm and they recruit exclusively well nearly exclusively from their back scheme and I said well what if you're working full-time and you can't do it and they said oh you you know you could put that down as a mitigating circumstance and I was like I don't really see that as a mitigating circumstance I see that as like 99% of probably graduates you know trying to get legal experience trying to earn money um so I think you know 
something needs to be created where sort of, I don't know, maybe a three-day VAT scheme or a four-day VAT scheme, something that's more manageable if you are working. I'd like to help people that have been in my position um, or haven't yeah, taken the sort of traditional route of law. Well said. And and obviously you're definitely career driven as well. That's you know, like you, you're deeply passionate about legally yeah. run and wanting to get that off the ground, but there's no, no disputing that, you know, you want to be a partner in a law firm one day and you're going on that <laughs> journey and it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> um, I, I have no, no doubt about that, but you know, what are some of your um, future ambitions, sort of short-term ambitions? What are you hoping to achieve? And just give us a flavor of your journey. One of the things I want to sort of showcase is that your career journey to sort of being where you want to be is not actually as straightforward as people think. And I think people still have this sort of perception of the legal profession as being you graduate, you get a training contract, you qualify two years after that, but that's just not how it works. And I think a lot of people need to understand that there's so many different branches to that like people have things going on people don't always have the time to invest in sort of applications and it's you know it's quite it can be quite disjointed and um, because for example, me for example I, I thought I wanted to be a family lawyer this was after a pilot um, <laughs> yeah. and so um, I actually worked in family law for, for about a year and then realized actually this definitely isn't for me like my skills are better suited to sort of a commercial environment so then I left and obviously went into commercial property so that sort of has delayed my career by a year I guess you could say um so I haven't taken the traditional route at all and I still don't have a training contract so I'm doing all this extra stuff but I'm actually not on the route to qualification yet um but there's a message in there of kind of just don't give up. I think that's the no, other thing as well. Determination is so important. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, I've been rejected from, you know, multiple law firms and it is disheartening. And you do think, well, actually, like, what more can I do? What more can I offer? Especially if you do do extracurricular stuff, if you do have other interests. But if you want to get somewhere and that is your goal, then just don't give up because if you work hard, it will be recognized and you will get to where you want to be. And I think... I need to practice what I preach because some, you know, for example, today I got a rejection of, of probably one of my dream law firms. And, um, you know, I spent 10 minutes sort of feeling sorry for myself. And then I was like, no, fine, like move on. It obviously wasn't meant to be. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But I think that's the, the the whole point of having these sort of brutally honest conversations is the fact that, you know what, if you're prepared to dig deep, if you're prepared to go out and network, yeah. if you're prepared to do yeah. all of these things, then that's what the legal profession wants to take on now. It's not, it you know, it's not a case that you're just going to get a job. It's never been like that, but it's even more competitive than ever. So you need to be prepared to put yourself and out And I think, there. you know, lawyers aren't any more people who just sit in the office, churn out contract after contract. You do need to be able to build relationships with people. You do need to be able to go out and network. And if you're doing all of that even before your legal career has started, then it means that when you're, you know, when you're actually qualified, it'll be so much easier. And so me, for example, one of my, you asked me, sort of, that probably was the question, what my sort of aims were. And it is to build my professional network, both in Birmingham, both in, you know, in London, hopefully across the country, maybe in a few sort of in countries abroad. Because once you build this sort of brand and you get a reputation, that probably, you know, you might win clients that way or, you know, and that, that yeah, that's probably one of my main aims as well. 
Yeah, yeah. And what about your French? Keep up your French because I kept telling people <laughs> after I did my A levels and a little bit of uni that I'll keep up my French. It was big, one of my biggest regrets right now is not being able to speak very good French yeah. at all. So I mean. When I left uni, one of my, um, I thought I was going to read Le Monde every day. Um, I struggle to read a newspaper every day. So that's (laughs) out the window. It's like riding a bike though. If you, if you were forced into a situation where you had to learn it again, you would be able to. Um, And occasionally I do sort of read an article in French, but um, you know, everyone speaks English today, sadly to say. So it's actually harder to find someone to speak French to, but depending sort of where I end up in 10 years time you never know I might be able to use it a bit more but going skiing next week in France so when um, we'll see if I can order a bit or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly and in terms of just the last um, couple of points from from me the legal industry is going to change significantly during your career what do you think are going to be some of the main changes and what are you most excited about seeing potentially happening as you start your sort of legal journey yeah um, I think one of the main changes as I've probably already mentioned is sort of the perception of a traditional lawyer is changing um you know clients are looking for innovative young lawyers that can offer more than just legal advice um and I think we're going to see law firms that aren't just recruiting lawyers they'll be recruiting sort of legal project managers legal analysts you know there'll be so many different types of legal personnel because the client will want actual specific people um And I think that's something, again, that probably older partners are going to have to recognize that this traditional lawyer will not be joining because it's not what a client needs anymore. So I think that's something really exciting, Um, you know, probably not for people my age, but sort of 18 year olds who are thinking of going into law in sort of five years time. That'll be something that I have to consider whether they want to be like a project manager or an analyst. Um, And I think... I mean, obviously, technology is a big one. It's sort of, you know, is it going to be brought in? Is it not? Are law firms already embracing it? So that's something exciting as well. Um, you never know. You might be able to just sit behind your desk and click your fingers and something yeah, might exactly. happen. So I think, um, yeah, there is, a, there is a lot changing in the legal profession and it is a very exciting time. Hopefully, I won't be replaced by a robot. I don't think that's going to happen just yet. No, I think there's definitely going to be legal tech. It's just, I think it's adapting with the tech, isn't exactly. it? And sort of modifying yeah. the roles. And that's where, you know, a lot of sort of, you know, junior legal um, work will just be sort of diversified. It's probably exactly. a different way to, yeah. to describe it, um, most definitely. Okay. And sort of for you, 2020, you've got the marathon coming up, but is there uh, any sort of big goals or by, by you get to the end of the year, you want to achieve X? Is there anything you're kind of gunning for? I want that training contract. <laughs> yeah, good um, that that is probably my main goal for 2020. Um, you know, to just channel my whole entire energy into getting where I want to be, because I want to be a solicitor at the end of the day. And you know, you won't be a solicitor without a training contract. Focusing on my career is probably my number one priority for 2020. Um, but also one of my New Year's resolutions as well was to be more bold and just ask because if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think with that in mind, hopefully that elusive training contract <laughs> should arrive. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I think from from behalf of all of us on Legally Speaking, I think it's, it's really 
great that we can have people like you on who are doing such inspirational things for the legal professional. A, you're still continuing on that journey, not giving up. B, you're actually doing great things, great charities. You're massively networking. You're a great example of sort of the rising star for the legal profession that's going to be, I have no doubt. So from all of us, we hope it happens and keep Thank us documented you. on your journey. And thanks for also sort of sharing lots of tips and insights into other people. And I hope you inspired others there, particularly in the sort of years of sort of mindfulness and wellness as well, that you can, if you can balance the work-life balance, you know, get out there and be a bit more active as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank and, you. And uh, wishing you all the best. Thank you very much.